Yeah. Like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold but when Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy Home of the Involuntary Film Review or movie review. Uh, you're here with the Dancing and High Smith of podcasting. My name is Jeff. And I'm Jason. What's going on, guys? And uh, each week we trade movies. Uh, we give each other movies that we've seen that the other party has not. And then that person gets the sole responsibility of reviewing and assigning a letter grade. Now, usually each week we play a game to decide who gets to go first. <laughs> uh, but I got shot last week. And uh, my wife was quite upset at Jason, uh, so she gave him a call, uh, one that I was not allowed to be in the room for, and uh, Jason called me, uh, sniffling, saying I get to go first this week without even playing a game, so I'm very grateful uh, that you are allowing that to happen. Sorry, Mrs. J at Jayqueezy. Sorry. That's her, her Twitter handle. That doesn't exist. It will. It's official now. Mrs. At Jayqueezy, even though the at symbol is in the wrong place. Yes. At Mrs. At, <laughs> at Mrs. At Jayqueezy. <laughs> yeah, you'll, I think you'll just end up tech, uh, tweeting me if you do that. So It's a work in progress. All right. So uh, I do get to go first. And oh, before we begin, I... man. Hold on. Hold on, man. You're jumping ahead a little bit. Let, okay. let us... Let us talk about the current feud we have going on in regards to our movies. Yes, that does. So you heard Jason at the end of last week's episode mention, is this the end of the truce? And I said, no. Uh, what uh, do you want to take the lead on this or would you like me to explain? Go ahead. Go ahead and explain, man. And I'll elaborate. Okay. So uh, I'll. Jason and I, well, Jason has created a master list that I've contributed to that we both have movies that we've seen that the other person hasn't, so it allows us to make educa educated decisions. On this list, there are some pretty terrible movies, and we both sort of have this tenuous relationship of, if you give me something garbage, I'm going to return the favor tenfold. Uh, so we kind of are... We had a heated uh, instant message discussion at work about possibly breaking the truce and starting to go into each other with uh, bad movies. Yeah, man, because the movie you've given me this week, and I'm going to go and foreshadow it, man. I thought this is shots fired. Listen, this is the Cuban Missile Crisis right now, okay? You have ships in the Gulf of Cuba or the Bay of Cuba or the Sea of Cuba, whatever the hell it's called in geography class. Wasn't good at geography class. I'm a math dude. Anyway, listen, one plus one is two and you done effed up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this movie. <sighs> but I'm telling you next week, so that because I know that you didn't like your movie, I'm going to give you a choice between two movies. 
that you'll probably just be able to base on the name uh, of the movie. Just, <laughs> just sort of a consolation for having to sit through it. Listen, man. We said the truce is still intact. And the, the analogy we use today is that I'm sitting in this vast field, green grass, blue skies, uh, you know, a few clouds, white, beautiful clouds in the shape of ducks and geeses, gooses, geese, geese, yes, monkeys, banana trees, whatever, man. There's one tree. And it's an apple tree. All right. And I'm sitting there. I have an apple on top of my head like Johnny Appleseed. And I say, hey, man. I want you to take this shot at this movie. I want you to give me a movie and I'm going to place it on top of my head in this theoretical apple. And I want you to fire that arrow, man. And if you hit it right dead center of that apple, that's an A-plus movie, right? You shot me in the damn eye, man. <laughs> well, listen. All right. I like the movie I gave you. but How many times you watched it? Day, you said you watched it three times? Three times. I've watched it three times now. I rewatched it when I gave it to you. And each time I watch it, I enjoy it a little bit more. I'll be interested to see if anybody listened and uh went ahead and watched the movie and if you have any commentary that you'd like to add uh you can send it to us at film soliloquy and i'll be happy to uh on next week's episode uh read it out and see what other opinions we have out there if i'm crazy or if jason's crazy Uh, this movie's just far out man yes i agree all right so can i review my movie now (sighs) yes okay so you asked me to watch showtime starring eddie murphy (laughs) i forgot about that man dang that was a good movie (laughs) (laughs) uh eddie murphy robert de niro and renee russo uh there's also a rather lengthy cameo from william shatner who plays himself as he played tj hooker on a television show a while back that I think was before my time. Um, So let's run down the plot. This is a comedy and uh, you have two police officers in a very different place. You have, you have detective Mitch Preston who is played by Robert De Niro. He's the hard nose detective. He doesn't take any guff. He shoots first, asks questions later. He is uh, the rogue in the movie. You then cut and you see Eddie Murphy's character, Officer Trey Sellers. And the way you're introduced to him, he's yelling at his police chief, talking about how his partner had died and he's he's about to cry. And and then I kind of saw this coming, mostly because you kind of I got a little bit of what the plot was going to be. Well, it turns out he's on set uh, auditioning for a role. So. Eddie Murphy's character is an aspiring actor and he's also a police officer. Now, unlike detective Preston officer, Trey sellers, Eddie Murphy actually drives a car. He wears the suit that or the outfit that you're used to seeing traffic police wear. So he's kind of on the bottom tier of things and he is working to become a detective as well. Officer sellers is in, I'm just going to call him Eddie Murphy. All right. So Eddie Murphy is, in a like quickie mart and he's playing this arcade game called top cop 
and he's like really doing well, I guess. And Robert De Niro comes in and sees him playing. And of course, Eddie Murphy's like, hey, see what I'm doing? Look at this. Ha <laughs> ha I'm the best at this game. And Robert De Niro's like, all right, Top Cop. So as Robert De Niro's walking out of the store, Eddie Murphy sees a gun on him. So now he's suspicious. So he turns around and follows him and he notices that Robert De Niro and someone else do kind of something sneaky. Robert De Niro dumps out the slushie that he just purchased and goes with this other gentleman into uh, a rather seedy part of town or this like, well, what you find out to be as most deaf is in there, the rapper most deaf and he's an arms dealer or no, he's a drug dealer. And uh, they're wanting to purchase some cocaine or heroin. I'm not really sure which. Eddie Murphy gets suspicious, so he calls for backup. And this causes a helicopter to fly overhead and, and to shine a light down into this deal that they're trying to do as Robert De Niro and his partner are both undercover. Well, this, of course, makes most deaf suspicious. And he pulls out this, like, big gun. This I don't know enough about guns to describe it. Uh, maybe you want to, JB, and kind of let people know what this gun is i don't know it's a big ass gun okay so it's a big gun and the shells are big round shells they look like what you would see go into a shotgun but i believe they shoot like slugs and you see several parts in the movie when they shoot into a building it leaves like a, a a hole that's like a foot in diameter and they they knock down a building at one point uh later on in the movie and so now the focus oh yeah becomes, that's a that's a some type of futuristic movie gun it's just not existing in real life right it, it yeah so I didn't know how to describe it other than that but I thought maybe you'd have a way to use your vast knowledge of weapons to to educate our listeners but uh, so they go chasing after most deaf and as they're doing so Eddie Murphy sees Mitch uh, Robert De Niro and stops him tries to arrest him. And there's the helicopter, a TV helicopter's in the air looking down. And Eddie Murphy sees it as he's trying to arrest Robert De Niro, turns and gives the thumb up to the camera. And when he does that, Robert De Niro grabs him, cuffs Eddie Murphy with his own handcuffs, and takes off after most deaf. Uh, and after this happens, Robert De Niro, the, the, the television crew comes by and gets in Robert De Niro's way. So he actually shoots the camera out of the cameraman's hand and then runs after most deaf. I don't really remember exactly what happened, but most deaf gets away. And the next scene you see is, um, Robert De Niro's in his chief's office. And they're just kind of going over the fact that they shot this camera. I think actually just before this, you see Rene Russo's character, whose name is Chase Renzi. She is like a television show creator. And she pitches the show to this television place and then, anyway, she gets the deal, uh, but it's dependent, six episode run, but it's dependent on how well the ratings are received, where um, they see Robert De Niro shoot this camera and uh, Rene Russo thinks, hey, this will make a great TV show. This guy equals ratings. He's a loose cannon. You don't know what he's going to do. We need to get that. Uh, but they decide that he also needs to have a partner. And through a series of events, they decide, obviously, actually, I can't skip this. So Eddie Murphy sees a flyer that one of his partner or his teammates has uh, advertising for auditions for the role of the buddy cop for Robert De Niro. 
And so what Eddie Murphy does, it's kind of like, it reminded me of the scene in Blue Streak where, uh, I can't remember the characters' names, but where Martin Lawrence's got uh, Dave Chappelle and Martin Lawrence is pretending to be a cop and Dave Chappelle's a criminal and <laughs> they know each other and they're kind of talking on the side about, hey man, don't hurt me or whatever. And there's a similar scene that kind of happens where uh, Renee Russo's walking out of a, a convenience store and someone snatches her purse and luckily enough, Eddie Murphy's there. He pulls the car in front of the guy, slides over the hood. The guy's climbing a fence and he jumps up after him and holds him. And they both just fall down together. And you see him beat up this perp and get the purse back for Renee's, uh, Renee Russo. And uh, Robert De Niro, while he's while uh, Eddie Murphy's giving the purse back, Robert De Niro arrests this guy uh, that had stolen the purse and... Eddie Murphy's like, nah, man, don't do that. And you, I mean, it gets outed pretty quickly that Eddie Murphy had set this up as a way to impress these TV producers into giving him the role. And it worked because, uh, you know, he, Eddie Murphy wants to be on TV. So he's the TV producers love this guy. Cause not only is he a police officer, but he's uh, someone who's practiced acting. He's, willing to do whatever they take. He's fully behind the, the, um, the project completely. Of course, Robert De Niro wants nothing to do with this, but his chief says you kind of have to do it because you shot that camera and we need a good image for the department because the last image you gave him was a bad one. So they begin working on the show and, uh, these two guys who are sort of opposites have a lot of differences and they have various arguments and I'm going to forget some scenes here. But there was a moment in this movie where I think I maybe turned this movie on, on like TV one time. And because there was a scene where they walk into uh, Robert De Niro's apartment and there's a dog. And I'm like, I think I've seen this scene. But they, they're trying to soften the image of Robert De Niro, make him more likable. They remodel his apartment, which pisses him off. <laughs> they get him a dog. Well, the dog's name was Powder. And at first he's like, get this dog out of here. I don't want this dog. And Eddie Murphy's like, I love dogs. Come here, Poochie. And the dog barks at Eddie Murphy. And of course, now Robert De Niro's like, well, hold on a minute. There might be something to this dog. Um, so he ends up keeping the dog. So what you find out is that Most Def had this gun. Most Def is a dealer for another, um, for sort of a bigger crime lord whose name. Do you remember his name? No. <laughs> just like Russian dude. Anyway, we'll just call him Russian dude because it doesn't really matter. For this Russian dude with blonde highlights, uh, anytime you see blonde highlights in a movie, you know that the person is evil. And they go around, they do some detective work to find out that, uh, uh, oh, okay, so they shoot, that guy's house that got blown up or shot to pieces was most, most Def's house. He gets killed, and this kind of leads them on the trail to find... Um, the big gun, the, this guy with this Russian guy. So they trick an inmate into telling them where this guy is and who the head boss is by pretending that he's on this investigative journalism thing. And that you, you know, Eddie Murphy is like this attorney TV personality and he's trying to tell the people your story. And so they get the information out of the sky. They go up to a club where the head Russian is. They confront him and they get kicked out. 
Well, through this, they find that actually one of their teammates is kind of in this job in this. He's the guy who actually makes these futuristic guns that are being sold on the streets. How do, so remind me, JB, how do basically the plot is, is like these guys don't like each other, Eddie Murphy, and Robert De Niro, and they end up coming to respect one another. Can you remind me how that comes about or is just over time? It's just over time. So, I mean, there's many different scenes through the movie where uh, Mitch or Robert De Niro does things differently than um, than how um, Eddie Murphy's character wants to, to play on to how they interrogate people, how they lead up to chases. They do car chases in a van. Uh, there's I can't I can't pinpoint it directly because I haven't seen it in a while. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, you just kind of see the the coldness of Robert De Niro melt away because the whole time Eddie Murphy's totally on board with being Robert De Niro's friend. He looks up to him because Robert De Niro is this accomplished sort of famous detective. And, you know, Eddie Murphy, one of his dreams is to be an actor and the other is to be a detective. And, uh, he, he would like Robert De Niro to kind of show him how to do it and teach him. Um, so they become friends and they, they know that they can find the buyer of these guns if they follow their, um, this guy that works for the department. I guess he's like in ballistics or something because he knows a lot about guns. And so they end up confronting the guy. Man, I'm having a hard time remembering how this movie ends. Well, I know leading up to it there, the show almost gets canceled where I think Robert De Niro does something completely out of character uh, to, he kind of does like a oh yeah now i'm remembering um i can't well i can't remember what he does to get in trouble Did, something blew up i mean he, well they drove off. that was one of the things i think i remember now is why are they getting in trouble why is robert and you're getting in trouble because they take off in the tv van and they're trying to chase down this this guy and i didn't really see like it felt a little unnecessary to kick him off the, that particular job. Uh, but the reason they become like the breaking point for Robert De Niro is he sees the footage of Eddie Murphy saying, Hey, if you're taking Robert De Niro off the case, you take me off the case, you know, not turning over on his friend and seeing the loyalty there. And that's where Robert De Niro, De Niro is like, okay, I'm on board with this guy. You know, he might be kooky and crazy, but he's, yeah, their their uh, methods are com- completely different from each other. And what I, yeah, what I like about this movie is it's a play on buddy cop movies. So you have re- movies like Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. You have Lethal Weapon with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. This is that type of same movie as a buddy cop movie, but they're actually making fun of it too because it's they're doing it as a TV show. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the definitely the star of the movie for me is Eddie Murphy, the the character of this cop who also wants to be an actor. And there's moments where the character notices that the cameras are on him, and you can tell like his posture changes, and he turns up the volume a little bit and acts into it. And you know, he comes up with the name of the show. It's Showtime. He goes, "Take a deep breath. It's Showtime." You know, and it. it and one of the things I liked about him is like the TV producers, just anything he pitched, they were all over. Oh, that's good. That's good. You know, and they, they really liked him. I just thought it was kind of fun dynamic. Um, 
And so anyway, they get into the f- the final fray, and I'm really blanking on exactly how the finale went down. But they end up winning. I mean, it's never in doubt. So like the last scene of the movie is they're in the police um, headquarters, and you see they're starting another show because these two female cops that are clearly not actually police officers. Uh, they're like models who are wearing these like deep V's in their police uniform. They're doing like this weird sort of hyper. I don't know. They're like making another cop show, but this one's much more sexualized. You find out that, hey, Eddie Murphy did pass the exam for the detective. He's now he's now the, uh, a detective. And I think Showtime is done as a show. But, you know, they're both committed to being partners. That's pretty much the movie. Uh, the plot's nothing particularly special or amazing it 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 is the set piece to have eddie murphy and robert de niro be in the movie uh william shatner is in this and he's really funny too um just kind of trying to show everyone you know let me get my notes out but isn't he isn't he like a producer or some type of he's like advising them because like i said he played uh william shatner's playing himself but William Shatner in real life played a cop on TV named TJ Hooker. And he's trying to teach them the way to do things in a TV fashion, which Robert De Niro is like, here's how you do it. A, a police officer would actually do it. They would never put cocaine and drugs in their mouth to taste it because what if it's poison? You don't know. They would never do that. And there's just these back and forth between him and yeah, isn't, Eddie isn't Murphy it, loves it, the guy. And he's like, Ooh, show me, show me that thing you did with your eyebrows, that intensity <laughs> you have. And, and didn't it too, like, didn't he, didn't uh rubber Nanera's character have a, just a regular cop car. And then uh he wanted, then Eddie Murphy's character obviously wants to do things bigger and better, have a speedier car. He gets a Corvette, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, in every single cop movie, there's always that one scene where the cop jumps over the hood of the car and Robert De Niro's like, well, we don't do that because, you know, your gun can scuff up the hood of the car. And that's exactly what Eddie Murphy does in that brand new Corvette. He's like, oh, yep. we can buff that out. And what's interesting about that scene is you can clearly see the stunt driver and it's a white guy, um, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. If you're going to use a stunt driver. Don't have the T-tops removed and the windows down if it's going to be someone who doesn't look like uh, Eddie Murphy. But minor uh, gripe, you know, not a big deal. Uh, More entertaining than anything else. Uh, So it's a good movie. I mean, it's worth a watch to me. It was like a one time. Oh, that was fun. There are some good memorable lines and parts. Eddie Murphy steals the show, which you would expect. Uh, He's really funny. And I... I think he just got the character and my favorite parts were when the camera would turn on him and he'd notice it and he would just play to the camera. Uh, It made the character really endearing. Uh, Robert De Niro's character was just kind of whatever. He's the hard ass cop and, um, you know, it was Robert, a typical Robert De Niro thing. Nothing particular special or a lot of depth there. And what I like Um, about several of his scenes with Robert De Niro is they play it kind of like those TV shows on MTV or Cribs or no, not Cribs, but the real world where they have like their camera room. So they're obligated to spend a few minutes in front of the camera every day, talk about what they're thinking about or what they're going to do. And Eddie Murphy's character just goes elaborate in detail. And 
Uh, Robert De Niro does several several things just to pass time. He shaves in camera. He makes fun of Eddie Murphy by going, <laughs> showtime, right? <laughs> he does. Yeah, <laughs> basically giving them nothing to work with. <laughs> exactly. And what I like about it is just you see the evolution of just like every buddy cop movie. You have two buddy cops. They hate each other in the beginning. Two different completely type of styles. They go through some type of horrific event together. They grow to bond. They grow to like each other. And then they uh, overcome adversity at the end of the film. And that's basically what this is. But it's all filmed for the public. Right. That's the only twist of it. Because, I mean, I don't know what the original buddy cop movie was, but Lethal Weapon would be one of the trendsetters for this style of movie. Um, you know, loose cannon with the by the book guy. Um, it, it's, it's been done a thousand times. Um, so to, to get to my letter grade, it was, it was a nice light watch. I think your uh, strategy of making me watch Harold and Kumar made me appreciate the movie a little more. <laughs> uh, now, one of my things before, I'm going to give you this letter grade, and I don't want you to be mad, but I think we've set the standard for what a B-grade movie is, and I don't mean that as a B-rate a B movie, but as movies we rate as a B, a little high. Uh, we have some really good movies there, and uh, I don't think this quite breaks into that tier. It's a C-plus movie for me. I enjoyed it for what it was. It, it was a good fun time uh but it was little more than that yeah it's fine i haven't seen it in a while and i remember for me i've i remember it being enjoyable and it was again that twist yeah. of a, what a buddy cop is and yeah and if it if it comes on tv and there's nothing i want to watch i'd, I'd sit through it again you know there it, it, by no there's nothing i can point out and being like this is bad other than to say that the plot is could been done a thousand times it's it's contrived but the performances are fun eddie murphy is just fun in this movie and it's worth watching for him alone uh but it's not going to you know shake the earth or even be one that i i purposefully pop in again to watch mm -hmm. but that's it so i'm excited <sighs> yeah i'm let me let me let me adjust my seat real quick. All right. I'm in the studio. I got this great relaxing reclining chair electronic. Let me go and sit up because I feel like I'm about to go into an interview. Let me take a couple deep breaths. It's showtime. <sighs> All right, listen, let me let me foreshadow something here, okay? I'm gonna surprise everyone tonight, okay? This movie is weird as hell. All right. And I hate it. <laughs> All right. All right. This movie is called The Lobster. Uh, Jeff, you have to tell me, how did you even find this damn movie, man? Okay. Uh, let me try to remember because I saw the poster. Oh, okay. So I was watching. There's a show on YouTube called Good Mythical Morning that's pretty popular. And they were talking about movie posters and so they show a movie poster without the title of the movie. And the poster for this was Colin Farrell hugging nothing. There was like a blank space uh, between him. And, you know, they were trying to guess what the movie's name was. And based on the poster, you would never guess it's called The Lobster. And they briefly described the plot. And I'm like, that sounds 
weird as hell. And it was on Netflix. I said, I'll check it out. And that's how I found out about it. Wow. Amazing. (sighs) How unfortunate for us. All right. I enjoyed the movie. (laughs) You know what, man? I think... No, never mind. I can't even think about that scenario. If I watched it with you, would I even enjoy it? Anyway, this movie is called The Lobster. It stars Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz. (laughs) Craig (laughs) Kinnear. Craig. Greg. Greg. Colin Farrell, Rachel Weisz, John C. Riley, and the guy from... uh, like the the new James Bond movies, he plays Q. His name is Ben Wisha. Wisha. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah. As soon as I saw him, like, oh, dude, that's a dude Q from the James Bond movies. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, that's that guy. So check this out. I like that guy from James Bond. I think he plays a wicked smart character in those James Bond films, making those cool gadgets and everything. It's a completely different role for him especially for colin farrell i've seen colin farrell in several movies and i love him as an actor Mm -hmm. this movie right here is just his acting is i know it's done on purpose on this film he's very bland he's very monotone but man it's just the whole movie is like that everybody speaks i I mean is colin farrell hurting for money or something like how do even somebody read him this if i was Colin Farrell and I'm I'm rich I'm a millionaire I'm well known for many movies and I read this script oh, there's no way I would do this film there's no way this is like I don't know how they got an A-list actor to get this B-listed movie I, I don't get it I can understand John C. Riley in it because he's supposed to be the comic comic relief but the whole movie I think the genre of the movie is a comedy am I right boy it's a comedy that is filmed and presented like a drama like a artsy indie drama. But once Jason starts getting into the plot, I don't think you could, if you just told someone the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's a straight up comedy. With, <laughs> it's a comedy, but the tone of the movie is very serious. Oh man. All right, guys, let me break down this, this plot for you. All right. I see this as a comedy, but it is filmed as a drama. So let's call it, a comedy drama, okay? In which this is a story and it's set up in the near dystopia of a future where yep. single people, and this is by rule of whatever city they're in. I, I Would you want to say this is some city in Europe, I guess? Maybe Britain? I don't know. Because they have those kind of British accents, I guess. Yeah, most of the people have like British accents or Australian. Apparently, I don't know the difference. So let me preface that before everybody gets on to me. So this it's a rule in this dystopia of a city where if you're single, you are arrested and you're transferred to a hotel where you're obligated to find a a match within a certain time frame, and that time frame is shortened down to 45 days. And if you don't find a matching mate in those 45 days, you are transferred into, well, transformed into an animal. Of your choice. <sighs> of your choice. Colin Farrell chooses a lobster. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot! out of all the animals you could choose to be oh listen oh my god 
Oh my god. A, lo- a lobster? Bro. <laughs> I pass red hey, lobster every day. The movie. Going to work. <laughs> they, god, they could cook your ass, man. You could be a shark. <laughs> you could be a tiger. You could be a black panther. You could be an orangutan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He chooses to be a lot, and this is explained in the movie of why he chooses to be a lobster, and it's elaborate, it's it's long drawn out. But the the main reason he wants to be a lobster is, um, you live longer. I think mm-hmm. lobsters live for more than a hundred years. Uh, he really enjoys the water. He enjoys the ocean, and uh, they're very fertile even at their late stages of life. Those are his yeah. reasons of why. That's good reasoning, right? I'm hot, man. Let me open the door. Oh, my God. Let me, let me get some air in here. Oh, there are those crickets. They're back. <laughs> oh, close though. Oh, my God. can't believe you made me watch this movie. <sighs> All right. This this is how the film opens up, and it's just weird as hell, okay? The yeah. film opens I up. I don't these... even get this part. Oh, I'll get it. Well, now that we know the plot of the movie, I could tell you what, what this means. Because you know me. I break down movies to... To levels right. of understanding. Well, learn me good. So, oh my God, why can't I breathe in here? This movie, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. First of all, the credits are too damn long. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the beginning where they say who produced the movie, the the name of the uh, it's way too damn long. I don't know. It's like a freaking minute. I don't know. Anyway, it it scene opens up where there's this woman driving in a car. Driving, driving, driving. You can tell she's like in some type of middle of nowhere farm town. She stops the car. She pulls over. She sees a donkey, right? She walks up to the donkey and blasts him, man. I mean, she takes out a, uh, I want to say maybe a 357 Magnum type of weapon. Just starts blasting the donkey. And the, bon- the donkey takes the bullets in, goes stiff, falls over and dies. I'll tell you what it means, Jeff. So in this society right who knows how long this has been gone done for now obviously this has been gone for a while because the technology has been so advanced that humans have taken over animals right so whatever that donkey was it pissed her the hell off it could be an ex-husband it could be yeah that's that's what i kind of gathered it was someone that she knew but Mm -hmm. she knew this donkey i mean she knew who the person the essence of that person who who now the soul of that person's in that donkey and she wanted that damn dude or woman i mean i'm not gonna say if she's you know if she doesn't like the same team you know they like what i like i mean i like them all i like that anyway do i you trying to create editing for me what's wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they like what i like they like what you okay. like right? what's wrong with that all right keep going i mean i'd never bet for the same team but see now <laughs> i have to <laughs> you can't why why man hey <laughs> you can play for whatever team you want to play for I, and even exactly. in this movie there's a scene that establishes you can play for whatever team you want to play for is that, and this is what i'm leading up to man you just can't play for both teams is that it, it creates too much complication in this movie so the next scene immediately after that, and again, I'm not going to go from scene to scene, but in a sense, we have to address most of it, and I'm going to try my best, and Jeff's going to come in there and add some stuff that I may be missing. There's here. a lot in this movie. You have to watch this movie. I mean... You have to. <laughs> honestly, you really so do. So let, 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 let's take a break then right now, because you're saying 
You're telling people listening, you have to watch this movie. Do you see why I wanted you to watch the movie? I do. Because there's nothing else like it. Nothing. I mean, this is... This is a Swiss Army Man type movie, but actually better. I hate to say it that way. Oh, really? Yeah. I do. I, well, okay. I hate it. I, I hate this ahead. movie. But damn, is it well written. <laughs> 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 so, the, the reason I'm saying for the bat for the same team time of the thing, I mean, it actually kind of transitioned to what I want to say with this scene is. So, Colin Farrell gets dumped by his wife. She's apparently in love with somebody else who knows and obviously he wears uh glasses that's uh he's nearsighted we like to say in america nearsighted in this movie they like to say short-sighted which confused the shit out of me okay i was like <laughs> <laughs> they kept saying he's short-sighted i'm like what the f- you you don't think things ahead <laughs> yeah his wife's like i'm leaving you for another man and he goes does he wear glasses or does he have yes <laughs> And, and, short side. And, and again you have to when you look at this film and i'm not going to rewatch it i promise you i'm not usually i watch a movie twice so i can get i can you know envelop it in my soul or mine or whatever man i'm not watching it again <laughs> <laughs> so these people that actually match together they have it's not like you have similar interests kind of like what mm-hmm. dating is today and marriages today i mean you can have two different completely opposite people to love each other and you you may have similar interests and that's what brings you together in this movie attributes and um illnesses and disabilities actually bring you together it, yeah for me i don't i that's what you see in this is like disabilities and illnesses but it's like there's this very shallow just one degree all i need is one thing in common with someone and it, it's these like the most shallow non-personality things like being nearsighted, having nosebleeds. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So after he, he, he gets that information from a wife uh, in this society, you will have to be transferred into this hotel. So he's getting interviewed by, I guess, the receptionist there. And she's asking him many different questions, you know, and one of the questions is, you know, what is your type? You know, do you like men or do you like women? And he was like, well, yeah, you know, I like women. And then he pauses, he goes, well, there's this one time in, in, in college, you know, that's, you know, just one time. <laughs> she, she's like, so are you heterosexual or are you homosexual? And he's taking the long pause. He's like, can we do both? You know, was, can we try it out? <laughs> I want to find love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and she's like, nah, we don't do that here. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's one or the other. And he's taking another long pause. I'm like, dude, nah, Jesus. He's like, heterosexual. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and immediately, I think of the Jeff and this garbage asthma. <laughs> <laughs> and all I can think about is our truce has been broken. <laughs> he shot missiles oh, from Cuba. Oh. Anyway, so that's that part. So <clears throat> this is where you get, and this is uh, after that scene, you get introduced to the actual. Uh, what? What? Here's another weird part of this movie. No one, no one has names in this movie except Colin Farrell's character, whose name is David. 
John C. Riley's character is known as the lisping man. Everybody has their name or is basically their attribute or, you know, whatever is associated with them by some type of physical thing that you can see. So John C. Riley is a lisping man. But in this one scene where and I'm jumping ahead in the movie, but Colin Farrell character, or David, he is he leaves the hotel and. He gets caught by John C. Riley's character and they kind of exchange names from there. Like, hey, man, I'm your friend. And he goes, hey, Robert, you know, I'm your friend. That's how you can tell their name. But everyone else is known as uh, like as the maid, the the guy from Ben Winch, Wishaw. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Wishaw, the dude from all the, the new James Bond movies. His name his name is limping man in the film so if you ever go into indb and you actually look at the the cast and crew of this everyone's known as these you know as, as these characters like one woman is called the nosebleed woman <laughs> so <sighs> you get introduced to the the main i guess antagonist of the movie is the hotel manager who's who's played uh by olivia Coleman, she runs the hotel and she informs him, you know, hey, you have 45 days to find a mate or you will be transferred into the, the animal of your choice. And this is where Colin Farrell goes in great detail to explain why he wants to be a lobster. And she's pretty happy about it because everyone who doesn't complete the program and actually gets turned into the animal of their choosing usually cho chooses a dog, you know, because they can find a companion with somebody. And this is actually kind of interesting because Colin Farrell character he actually brings a dog into the hotel with him and it's actually his brother who's been in the program before and has failed to find a mate within the 45 days and that's why he's turned into a dog now one of the cool things about this movie is you're when they're actually put into their their hotel room they explain to them that they're in a one one bed one occupant uh unit in the hotel and when they actually find a mate that they can match with, they'll be put into a double room where they'll have more pieces of clothing. And they explain that too, where the room, they have to remove all their clothing and he's just sitting naked in a room with just his underwear on. All his personal belongings has been removed from him. And only thing bestowed upon him is now in the room. So he has uh, four items of clothing each so he has four identical shirts that are in the color blue four identical button-down shirts in the color of white and four identical trousers and one of the pieces in the room is a tranquilizer gun and with 10 tranquilizer darts on the desk and when you're watching this movie which i hope you do because you actually have to watch this you're thinking what the hell is the hell is a tranquilizer dart and gun doing in his damn room and they explain it to the film so yeah 45 days and if you want to extend your stay there to have more of a fighting chance not be turned into an animal you have to go hunting and when you actually go hunting you're hunting down more lonely people who have fled society in this city where in in the the closest city to the hotel where everyone in the city is is married or has a girlfriend or they're their partners and it's actually policed by i guess a sheriff department if you will 
and everyone has to walk around with their marriage licenses to prove that they're married or they have they they could be you know deported to this this hotel so what they have to do is there's several people who who don't want to live by that that rule or they don't want to be turned into an animal either so they they flock and and live in the a wooded area and the job they're, they're a, I guess their additional job while they're in a hotel uh, other than trying to find a mate is to hunt down every every so days. They never really narrowed it down. Is it like every week you have to go hunting or every day? But they have to go hunt these people and every person that you bag in the woods and bring them back to the hotel to be turned into an animal, you get an extended day. So at the they get lined up and they show their trophies on the ground or these human beings and for every person that they've captured, they get to extend their stay by one. And Colin Farrell is a terrible shot, man. <laughs> he doesn't hit yeah. anybody. <laughs> I mean, he just, he, he's shooting trees. Uh, everyone that's running past him, it's pretty terrible. And so, needless to say, I mean, he, he never captures anybody. And every time that you see him introduced in the movie, they're, they, they wake up in the morning in their bed and there's this automated, uh, an Alexa type of thing and, and, uh, on the speaker in in the home in the room itself announcing hey you know you're in room 101 it's a beautiful morning you have seven days left in this hotel room to find love and you're you're introduced to several characters and one of the characters is john c Riley, and this dude i mean it's just it's john c Riley. he everyone knows him as a comedic comedic person he plays comedic characters and in this He's in like a type of serious role. I mean, he has a lisp. That's kind of funny. He does a pretty good job at that. But he he's I have to say, I mean, I like jeans, John C. Riley, but, you know, if I don't think any woman would find him attractive. Right. And that's exactly what this movie is. So like he he everyone knows and he, uh, you know, Colin Farrell knows and Ben Winshaw's character knows that he's not going to find love. And that he will be turned into an animal. And they actually have a scuffle about this while they're actually target practicing. And everything they do in this film is in preparation to show you that and show them that being alone in this society is not good. They have these type of role play type of charade games up on the stage. <laughs> and so and Jeff is like, because they, they show they show a man they're, they're And again, they're in this they're this room. Everyone's sitting in a chair and there's a stage in front of them. And there's this old guy sitting in a chair pretending to eat dinner. And they're like, hey, this is what it's like if you eat alone in a restaurant. And he's fake eating bread, you know, fake eating, uh, drinking soup. And then he, he fake like he's forking something in his mouth and he pretends to start choking. And he's making these elaborate uh, uh, sounds and then he fake dies. Right. And then she's like, let's run that back. If you were with somebody, right? So they have two people sitting on this, 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 these chairs and this table, and he pretends to choke again. And she gets up and she starts performing the Heimlich maneuver on him and saves his life. And they're like, "That's what it's like if you have two people eating rest, eating at a restaurant." And everyone's clapping, and I know you have to, you're gonna have to cut that clapping sound out. But yeah, man, they're clapping. <laughs> and, uh, and another thing is when oh my god i can't believe they put this in the movie she's like let me show you a scenario if you're walking alone in the park and they show they have one of the the women like a maid in the hotel and she's pretending to take a casual stroll in the park and one of the other uh butlers proceeds to pull his pants down 
and and simulate that he's raping her in the in <laughs> walking down in, in the park. She's like, this is what happens if you're alone walking in the park. Now, let's run that again. If you- <laughs> Well, and, and the way you describe that sounds more extreme of a scene than it actually is. Yeah, I mean, it's really he's not forcing because rape is a strong word. <laughs> but that's what he's the- simulating, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> there would be no other word for it. But it's a, that's such a like a big word. But in the movie he drops his his pants and then he puts Air. his hands on his waist Air, and with a, with a good foot between them starts pelvic thrusting and it's so silly looking it's and then so it's like you know everyone's showing like yeah you don't want to walk in don't want to walk in the park alone and then they do it again let's run it again when if you're actually walking in the park with your spouse and they show you know, the maid and the butler walking around and the guy who was simulating the attack or the assault on the woman doesn't do anything because obviously there's strong there's there's more numbers against him there's two against one so that's not a fight that he would actually want to to win so those everything about this film shows you that this society is is branded on people that you you don't want to be alone I, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. crazy what let me tell you about this one scene about john c rally all right so after to leading up to this part which one every morning okay (laughs) the maid comes in your room all right and it's proven and they say it in the film that it's scientifically as it's just scientifically proven that you need to stay aroused to get your testosterone up right so this woman comes in your room and he's in you know, the way they set it up, he's like, do we have to do this now? And she's like, yes, we have to. Um, and she's like, all right, take your pants off. And he's just sitting in his boxers and she's like, spread your legs. I'm like, what the hell, man? And she's going to she's going to have to, like, force herself on onto him, you know, for because of these rules. And no, she's just she doesn't take off her stockings or not, her, her, her pantyhose or not like that. She just starts grinding on him until he gets an erection. And then when he gets that erection, she times it and she goes, You've had your erection quicker than you normally do. So obviously they had, this is an a, a, a everyday ritual and he can't finish. You know, he needs to keep that testosterone level up to, to go out there and find his mate in this hotel. And he's like, I hate you. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, just imagine waking up with morning wood and then you can't even do nothing about it, man. <laughs> That's basically what it is. And so John C. Riley's character breaks this rule by masturbating in his room and he's found out and they're interrogating him at the breakfast table. And he's like, she, the, the hotel manager's like, we know you're doing it and you have to be punished. And he's like, no, you don't need to punish me. And so they, they take a toaster where you put slices of bread in and shoves his fingers into the toaster and turns it on and he's screaming because obviously he's burning his hands up and that's the punishment for masturbating in the hotel jeff (laughs) (laughs) yeah All right. So anyway, what a movie. Anyway, so the movie's breaking up into two halves. All right. The first half, you get the, it sets up the society and what it is. It shows you that people are, who are alone, who have been divorced, who are just alone in society are sent to the hotel to be rehabilitated, if you will. 
and they have 45 days to complete this process or be turned into an animal. And if they do find love within the hotel, there is a, an incubation period where they have to have two weeks of courtship in the same room. Then they have two weeks in a yacht where they're out to sea and they're heavily looked upon of, through the hotel manager. And if any time that they're having an argument or the, the relationship just isn't coming to flourishing, they'll say, you know what, what fixes everything, bringing a child into the marriage. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> so they'll give you, a, they'll give you a kid to take care of. And that's like the first half of the movie, the second yeah. half of the And that's, mm -hmm. that's when I realized that this movie that's serious, but goo like weird, that line of the movie is like, Oh, this is a comedy. Yep. Absolutely. That, uh, that line of children will make your marriage better. I was like, Oh, okay. They're not taking this seriously at all. Absolutely. And then you can actually see one of the scenes where these two, the, uh, there's this one character her, she's played by Jessica Barden and she's called the nosebleed woman where she just have random nosebleeds. And the, the severity of it is no one wants to be turned into an animal. You want to live out your life as a human. And so Ben, Ben's character, uh, the lipsing man, who's his also name is John. He's basically known as the, the limping man, excuse me, the limping, limping man. Uh, he proceeds to bang his head uh, on the on the table to simulate that he also has nosebleeds. So that way they can be matched together. And obviously, I mean, it's not you just meet somebody randomly in a hotel. I mean, it's not going to be a perfect match. So obviously they're fighting. And so one of the scenes later, you actually see them with a child showing that they're actually having marital issues and that they brought it to a child into the care into into the world and they gave him some random child to adopt and there's and Colin Farrell seeing them on this walk and they're like hey look it's it's David you know won't won't you won't you go give him a hug and he's like uh what what is it he says no or something like that and then kicks the child in the kneecap <laughs> yeah but there's a reason though he's not just this brutal person right yeah. So, yeah, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get matched up with another woman. And that woman is no joke. Her character's name is the heartless woman. Right. She has no feelings or any type of. She's a sociopath. She, yes. She's the epitome of a sociopath. Heartless, cold, manipulative and a murderer. <laughs> yes. She actually murders. She actually murders Colin Farrell's brother. He's a dog. Uh, again, remember, he was, like I told you in the beginning of this review, he was transferred into a dog and she murders him. And it's kind of like a test to Colin Farrell to see if he's if he's faking this relationship. And obviously he is. He just doesn't want to be turned into the lobster. And she outs she she outs him on it. And so she, she kills the dog and obviously he's emotional. He, he starts to weep and she slaps the shit out of him. <laughs> and so she wants to go tell the hotel manager. And this is how he escapes the hotel. He actually tranquilizes, tranquilizes her. It's by getting help from one of the maids in the film who is actually helping out this, uh, the, the runaways, uh, that are actually living out in the woods. And that's actually how it sets up the second half of the movie where you actually start to live out what goes on outside the hotel walls and outside of the city itself. And all these loners, they, they have a leader and the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like some French name. I, I, Leah, I guess is probably the closest way to say it. And I 
damn sure can't pronounce her last name. The rules in this type of society, if you're a loner, is you you can't have any relationships. You can't have sex. You can't kiss. You can't even listen to romantic type of songs. You have to listen to techno music. So anytime that you see (laughs) people listening to music, they're like jamming out, man. You can see the headphones on them. They're just they're dancing in place like they're they're in a a rave. (laughs) So uh, that's how the, the, the second half of the film is. And Colin Farrell character starts to fall in love with one of the other loners there and they start building a bond, a, a good romantic relationship. But obviously this can't be going, this can't be seen by the lone leader. So they start making up hand signals and gestures. <laughs> and this is where the movie is just, you know, it's making fun of itself too, where their hand gestures and head gestures are <laughs> like one of the, one of the things is if you turn your head, right, that means it's a symbol of them. You know, I'm professing my my ever loving life, you know, my love to you. I want to live my life forever. And if I turn my head to the left, that means we're in danger. We need to get the hell up out of here. (laughs) 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 And so that's how they're communicating, um, you know, through these 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 hand signals and and body motions. So that way they can have a, a full blown conversation in front of everyone else and have no clue what they're talking about. And one of the hand gestures is if I put my hand into a, f- a fist behind my back, that means I want you to have sex with me. <laughs> I mean, this movie is crazy. All right. So that, I, I'm not going to go into too much detail after that because I know this is, review is running long. But I do want to say this one scene. All right. So this one desperate woman, her name is called the biscuit woman. Okay. <laughs> she's called the biscuit woman because she's always walking around with biscuits. And again, I think this movie is, is set in England. So biscuits is like cookies in America, right? So she's always trying to offer cookies to everyone as a show as her romantic gesture. And she's not a, a very attractive woman at all. And she just, you could tell that she's getting close to her end and she's running out of days quick. So she actually tries to confide and try to build a romantic relationship with Colin Farrell's character on on their bus ride to go tranquilize the the loners out in the forest in the woods. And she was saying, hey, you know, I got these biscuits for you. You know, you want to come to my room? You know, I can I can perform fellatio on you. You know, I swallow and everything. You can have sex with me if you want. And Colin Farrell's like, nah, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And. She was like, well, just give your biscuits to your dog because I know you want, you know, you have a dog and uh, I think your dog would really like these biscuits. And, uh, you know, if I only have a few days left and honestly, if I don't find love, I'm going to throw myself off the top of a building. And Colin Farrell was like, all right, whatever. And so one of these scenes, she this lady that Connor Farrell wants to the, the, the woman known as the heartless woman is sitting down, having a cup of tea outside. And all of a sudden a body just falls down and goes splat right in the middle of the, the walkway outside the hotel leading up to, you know, this river embankment and blood is spewing out of her head. And <laughs> there's biscuits, well, cookies everywhere littered on the sidewalk. And, Colin Farrell goes up to the heartless woman to spark the to strike a conversation. And he's like, you know what? I really can't talk to you here because I can't hear you because the cries of this suicidal woman is drowning out our conversation. So just imagine this 
the biscuit woman laying on the ground on the concrete blood spewing out of her head biscuits everywhere and she's just screaming because her dumb ass didn't jump from a high enough distance <laughs> all she did was probably broke both her legs her arms her back <laughs> and her head obviously and she didn't die this movie's so messed up it's crazy man it's like there's these calm comedic moments and then there's this where his dog gets killed and this scene where i'm like wow that's dark man this whole movie's dark Anyway, so one scene that uh, so as he's courting uh, the heartless woman, they're in a hot tub and he's he's trying to convince her that he's also heartless so there could be a match. (laughs) And so she has like a martini with olives and she drinks it and she starts choking. And Colin Farrell's immediate reaction is to check on her and see if she's okay. But then he sort of realizes this is a test and he sits back. And she pretends to die and stay still for several seconds and then wakes up and looks at him and she goes, I think we're a match. (laughs) Yep. It's so crazy. (sighs) Let me wrap this movie up for you. All right. So the love interest between Colin Farrell and the loner chick uh, outside the hotel walls, it gets, it gets, uh, I guess, uh, exposed by the, the loner leader. So she takes her into the city. And one of the things that matches up Colin Farrell and this lady together is that they're both nearsighted. And again, the movie is called short sighted. They call it short sighted. But so she takes her into the city where she's going to go fix her eyesight. So that way they're no longer a match anymore. So that way she can stay a loner. But what she ends up doing is blinding her on purpose. And so she goes back into to the forest um meet colin farrell again and she's saying listen our plans are busted we can no longer escape into the city together i'm blind you know we don't have anything in common anymore so he ends up wanting to escape with her anyway and they go out into the city and one thing they have to do so that way they can be matched together and be viewed upon in the city as a matching couple since they actually don't have any documentation together um is that he needs to blind himself so he takes a knife that they're eating at a diner He takes a knife, goes into the bathroom and starts to position the knife so that way he can stab himself in one of the eyes. And again, you know, he needs to be blind in both eyes. So it it cuts back to the scene where she's sitting at the at the table at the diner waiting for Colin Farrell to complete this act so he can be completely blind and so they can be made together. And the movie ends. It goes straight to a black scene. I thought I thought my Internet cut out. All right. I was like, oh, damn, what happened, man? Like, oh, no, I can't finish the movie. Oh, no, you know? And then, bam, the credits show up. I'm like, what the hell? Jeff, you know I hate movies like this. I told you last week. That's you're going to hate the ending, bro. You know. You, you Listen, Gattaca, great ass movie until the damn end. <laughs> <laughs> that turned that movie from an A to a D plus. <laughs> wow, that's extreme, but okay. I know it's not official, but that's what it is. <sighs> you don't even know if he blinds himself. You don't know. Yeah. There's no conclusion. It's like a troll move by the, the filmmakers to be like, yeah, I think we're done. I hate this movie. I'll never watch it again. So let me go ahead and give you my letter score. Okay. I'm going to surprise everyone. This is a B movie. 
It's com- damn. It is a flat beat. It's a flat beat. It is well acted. It is filmed perfectly, right? It has that essence that it's a comedy, but a serious drama. The the cinematography is excellent. The plot. If you go, if you were to watch this again, you'll start noticing things like the beginning scene where the lady opens up and shoots a donkey straight in the head and any scene that they're actually outside in the woods and you start seeing random animals walk by like you're in the middle of the freaking forest and you see a camel walk by (laughs) 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 that means somebody was turned into a camel and let loose outside the hotel i mean you start seeing these things and it's like damn dude they they really took their time to write down a good script and Again, you know, I, if I was calling Farrell, I'd read the script. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, I'm an A-list actor. This is a B-ass <laughs> movie. But obviously, he saw something in it. And he's, this is right, man. This is actually a, this is a, I hate this movie, but it's a good movie, man. It's a B. Wow. That's about what I'd grade it too. I'd put it at about a B. I mean, like I said, I've watched it three times now. And, and like you said, you notice things every time you watch it and, uh, I might watch it again because it's just insane. It's not boring. It's fun. I, I mean, the, aside from the two really dark parts, those are the only parts where when you're describing them, I'm like, hmm. But largely, it's it's just insane. There's no other movie like it. Absolutely. Like you even mentioned Swiss Army Man and all of its insanity. It's completely different than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's. It's kind of similar, but this one is, it's better written. There's a better story. It's better. It's, it's filmed better. I mean, it's, everything's better than that movie, but this is, it's a B movie. It's pretty good. And again, you know, I, I, every time I was watching this movie, I'm like, damn, dude, is this movie ever going to end? I'm just, I was counting down the clock, you know, like, damn, man. (laughs) And, uh, I I seriously thought this is shots fired and I, I, I went, I watched this movie like, you know, before bed and I woke up pissed off. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't talk to Jeff all day at work, <laughs> but then er- yeah, to the point I'm like, Hey man, I, did you watch your movie? We need to record. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And I just, I didn't want, uh, but then when you actually think about what the movie is and how it's written, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good movie. So, uh, right now we're our ceasefire, uh, accord is still on deck. So, yeah, it's a good. I, I I hate this movie, I'm but it's good. Ha- I'm I happy. I mean, I I this is a good movie. I hate it. This is not my style of movie. This is not my type of movie whatsoever. Jeff knew that, but he's right, man. You have to see this film in all its entirety of its craziness. You, you have to see it. Go watch yeah. the Lobster. Uh, it's right now on Netflix. You can see it for free. If you have of Netflix. all the movies that we've done, this is the one. Well, you gotta see this one because it's. You'll never watch another movie like it. Yep. Agreed. Good job. Well, whew, that did not go how I expected. I told you. I told right. you I surprised hey, everybody. Please, please watch this movie. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into next week. Um, I'll go first. Okay. All right. I was going to give you a movie when I woke up this morning. But again, after I kept analyzing the film in my mind, because I'm not watching it again, I'm like, this is actually a pretty good movie. So again, the the ceasefire, the truce is still in act. So the movie I'm giving you is one of my all-time favorite films. 
All right. Okay. And I'm actually surprised you've never seen it before. All right. But you're going to love this. I'm going to build it up for you. There's no way when I tell you this cash, you're like, damn, bro. Okay. Okay. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. It stars Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, oh, Joe Pesci. Yep. You've been wanting me to watch this a while. Goodfellas. Wait a minute. No. This is, oh, this is Goodfellas. This is Goodfellas. Oh, uh, I thought it was going to be The Departed. Nope. Okay. Goodfellas. Man. Ray Liotta. I'm on board. Listen, this is my type of movie. Mm-hmm. It's, this is, you know me, dude. This is a true story, too, man. This is real. Yeah, this is this is your Untouchables that yep. you're giving me. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't one where I've not seen it because I have no interest. I just never got around to it. So I'm actually I'm I'm looking forward to this. This is gonna be good. Yep, and it's on Cinemax Go. Anybody who wants to watch it, uh, so that way you can actually watch it and then listen to our review. You can go to Cinemax Go and watch it for free if you have a Cinemax subscription. All right. That's good, man. All right. All right. That's going cool. that's to be a good rebound from Car- Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Harold and Kumar is an awesome-ass movie. But anyway. What, what would you rate it? i give it a D-plus, man. No. Oh. Is it a D-plus okay. or a C-minus? No. Did I think I gave it a D-flat, didn't I? Damn. Breaking anyway. the rules already. Yeah, it's a D. It's a D? Yeah, I give that movie a D, man. There you go. All right. Um, okay. So, cause you were talking about how mad you were. Now I don't know if I, if I owe you this courtesy that I was going to give you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to give you a horror movie. Now the question is, do you want to laugh or do you want to cry? Just give me what you want to give me, bro. I don't know though. I trust you. All right. So let's try to do double. Let's go double. Double great movies. I talked about it. I'm ready. The South Korean film Train to Busan. What the fuck? It's available on Netflix. Zombie. Zombies, man. What? You don't want to do it? Uh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Just, just... Go ahead. Listen. Go ahead. All right. You said it's My good. favorite zombie movie was, past tense, Zombieland. I think it's damn. Think are it's you serious? Are you now. saying this movie is better than Zombieland? Oh boy, they're different though, because Zombieland's a comedy, and this is not. This is this is a drama. There are funny moments, but it these zombies are no joke, man. Hey, that's a high pedestal you're putting that on. All right, man. Yeah, uh, I don't want to set. You know me. I like to set the bar low. And the only reason I wasn't going to give this to you is I didn't want you to have to read subtitles. I wanted to. <laughs> remove any Damn, hurdle. Scott set that precedence man <laughs> yeah i know i didn't want to have that hurdle for you but hey you told me to watch one punch man and it's got subtitles and i enjoyed it so uh you know set some time aside to do a little bit of light reading and uh watch a top three zombie movie i can definitely i feel comfortable saying that all right boy it's good and and as far as like serious zombie movies go it's number one. Damn. Because, you know, Zombieland is a, is a comedy zombie movie. This is, this is awesome. All right. I can't wait to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's me personally, I'm just played out, man. Like, I used to love The Walking Dead, but damn, dude, just season after season of the same crap. You know, zombies are just zombies, you know? They're 
Right. And I'm not a zombie guy either. I'm kind of on the same boat with you. I'm not scared of zombies. And this movie's not scary, at least for me, because I'm zombies aren't scary to me. I don't... I, and really, there's no, like, dark atmosphere or jump scares. But what there is are some really wonderful characters. Just really great characters. And, uh, and the reason that, I, at least for me, we both like the new It movie. And the reason I liked it so much is I wanted all of these characters to make it. I wanted the characters to win. And that's something that horror movies miss a lot. They're all fodder for Jason Voorhees. But in this, there, there are certainly characters that you hate, that you can't wait to see, get it, what's coming to them. But there's also characters that you're going to fall in love with and uh, root for. All right. I'll give it a watch. Well, uh, I do want to thank everyone for listening to our show. You can follow us on Twitter at Film Soliloquy. The music is provided to us by our good friend, Sir Flame. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. Uh, be sure to subscribe in your favorite app of choice. If we're not in an app that you like to listen in, just let us know. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add, JB? Nope. All right, well, we'll see you next Wednesday yeah. for more Film Soliloquy. Yeah, like we always do it this time. I go for mine and made plans for yours because I got the shine. Go bar for bar, go line for line like Kobe in 99. I'm so close to prime. Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind. We living in a moment, there's no post to bind. You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign. The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb. I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go. Up in Fairville, I related to cold. Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold. But when winter come around, we would play in the snow. They had enough North Sway, so I made it to